Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture this morning is uh, different from the one that is in your handout, uh, as Gary will be preaching to us. We'll be reading from uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, in case you're uh, wanting to turn to that in our pew Bibles. It is page 1,860, 1,860, reading in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You may be seated. Thank you, Jeremy. Kenny? I sure would have left that game earlier last night if I'd have known this morning where I was going to be right now. I'm glad to be with you this morning. I believe I saw Kevin Mack. Kevin, raise your hand. Kevin Mack, glad to have you back with us this morning. Good to see you. Hope all is well. And I'm glad each one is here. Stephen's under weather this morning, so I have the opportunity uh, to uh, bring you a lesson or to at least uh, read uh, from uh, the book that we will be using, and that is the Bible this morning. Uh, I make no apologies. Uh, be, you can pay attention to me or your Bible. Now, I will say this. You know, uh, the Pew Bibles are now available for you. And by the way, let me say this. If you do not have a Bible at home, uh, please take a Pew Bible with you. Uh, We're not hoarding them. Uh, We'd rather they be used during the week than just sitting here. If you're at home and don't have a Bible, if you'll call 270-753-3714, we will get you a Bible. If you'll call my cell phone number, 293-0881, I will bring you a Bible if you would like to have a Bible. Tommy Carraway, how many of you remember the young man? Tommy Carraway tried his very best to make me a Bible school teacher. He tried to impress upon me and did in years of sitting his uh, class and having Bible studies with him. I learned this from Tommy. When I announced the number of the passage that I'm going to read, Tommy Carraway, when I would sit in Bible studies with him, we hardly ever had a Bible and the other person a different Bible. If I have a Bible study with you this week, if you say, Gary, I'd like to have a Bible study, we will share the same Bible. I will have a Bible, I will ask you to use the Bible that I have, or if you want to bring two, I will use the Bible that you have, so that we're reading from the same book. I don't want you to hear me, I want you to hear what I read possibly, but this morning I want to ask you, 
if you do not have your Bible with you, and some will have an electronic Bible, some will have the Bibles, and that is per- that's great. But if you don't, take a pew Bible from you. And young people, and if you have young people with you, please hand them a Bible. If they can read, I will take my time, I promise. Study with me this morning. You know, two weeks ago or so, uh, and this is the premise of why the lesson I present this morning, and there are a couple of the statements that I make that people will attribute that to me. One is, you can write this in your book. I've said that quite often. And number two is that if, in fact, be careful what you pray for, you may get it. What I pray for every day is for God's patience to continue. The reason God has not come, the reason we are still here is because of God's patience and his willingness that all would come to repentance. It is a blessing for us to be here today. It is a blessing to one more time for one more hour for 20 minutes, for 30 minutes, to be able to read, to be able to study, and to be able to try to discern what the Lord would have us do and how he would have us to live. And I pray for that opportunity. So this week when I was praying for one more Sunday Better be careful what you pray for, Gary, because that Sunday is going to be giving you the opportunity to present a message. Wasn't praying for me to present you the message, but I was praying for everyone to have one more opportunity to hear, whether it be here on the radio, on TV, whether it be in Guyana, whether it be in Haiti, wherever a person might be, just one more day, Lord, for the gospel to be presented. Well, a couple of weeks ago, it was on Wednesday, and I believe school started back for a good number of people, or it was the second day of school or the third, but there was a lot of hype about children being in school, a lot of first graders, a lot of kindergarten, a lot of small children, and it was a Wednesday evening, and I knew in my heart of hearts, I knew, and I have a class, and there's some 50 or so that we meet in the east end of the all-purpose room, and you're more than invited to attend on Wednesday night. You have my invitation. But I just knew in my mind, it's a terrible temptation tonight. And I sent out a text to every member of the class, and it was a rather simple test. It said, now I'm afraid the devil's going to be whispering to you tonight. Ah, it's been a long day. Children are tired. Be a good night to stay in. Remember? And I had people come in the class and they said, I cannot believe you sent that text. Susan, what do you think? I can't believe you sent that text. Why? Oh, he had me. Ever think about that? Does the devil ever whisper to you? Is there some kind of something in the said that in your mind you think, well, it's not the devil, it's just in my mind, I was tired. And, but you know, just that one little text, it amazed me, the number of people that 
jokingly and were so happy to be in class. I just know they were. But they said, if you had not sent that text. The devil's no dummy. I don't believe we give him enough credit. We accuse God of all the bad things that happen in our lives. We wonder why God let this happen and why this happened. And we never mention the one responsible. Satan's no dummy. And this morning, I would like to start with, you would turn to, and a challenge of a minister is to try to look or a teacher and take a classroom or a sitting of people and say, what do you need? What is the one, what is the one message? And here's the problem. There's not one message that fits all. We're all in different places. Congratulations. Turn to page, if you would, four of your pew Bible, or it will be Genesis chapter three, verse one. I will begin. Give you time to catch Genesis chapter three, and it'll be page four of your pew Bible. Young, old, please turn. You know, last sermon that I presented, uh, I was questioned about the sermon. Did I understand you correctly or did you say, and some of what I said was rather maybe taken in different lights. I said, well, no, I really didn't. And it's my hope today, if you ask me what I said today, I'll probably say, you know, I really didn't say it. I only read it. I love the saying, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. The less commentary that a minister has to the scripture is probably the best commentary. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay, we've got a conversation going here. Okay, now, first of all, let me get this right. Are you sure, Eve, that this is what he said? Uh, let's put a question in your mind. Okay, is this? And the woman said to the serpent, we may, eat of the free, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Now, I do want to stop right there just a second. Now, let's establish something. Eve knew. Let there be no misunderstanding. She was not confused. She knew the instructions. She knew what God had commanded her. She knew what she was supposed to do. She knew what she was not supposed to do. We established early on, it's not out of ignorance. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Oh, there's the problem. Eve knew what she'd been told. And now that crafty little creature wants her to second guess. Do you really believe that that was the truth? 
because it wasn't. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes, both of them, were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Ah, Eve, Eve, Eve. Or should I say, Gary, Gary, Gary. How many times have I given in to that same small voice? The same questions. The same, now Gary, really? It's not that strict. It's not, really, you believe that that is really... Oh, me. But then in verse 11 of the same page, page number four, verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And then the man said, (laughs) don't you just love this? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave, who's he blaming, the woman or God whom you gave me? Gary, how many times have you said, well, but I tell you why. I tell you why I made the decision I made. I tell you what I'm not doing, what I, this is my what? Excuse. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave me with me, she gave me of the tree I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me who's deceiving me today what is deceiving you and I think there are two principal issues or two different mindsets that Satan could very well use that it's hard for a Bible teacher or a preacher to get past. One actually is going to be more familiar than the second, but it is heartbreaking. You know, Paul, and I'm going to turn to, let's turn to Acts 7.59, and that's on page 1691. 1691 of your Bible. If you'll turn to 1691, it's first, uh, it's Acts chapter 7, and I'm going to begin in verse 59. Acts 7, and I'll begin in verse 59. You know, Paul, we are reading through the New Testament in our class. And, of course, if you're going to read through the New Testament, you're going to read quite a bit of what Paul had to say. 
come to an, uh, I've come to an agreement with myself as far as my relationship with Paul. Paul's writing was inspired. His life was not. Now you can dwell on that a little bit. His writing was inspired, but his life was not. His life, he made lots of mistakes. And Paul, or Saul, at this particular time, let me read, starting in verse 59. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold charge with them their sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now Saul, chapter 1, verse 8, now Saul was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, who was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made him great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. We have Saul, and if we were to turn to it, 1 Timothy 1.15, and it's on page 18.19, but I'm going to save a little bit of time. Saul would say, let me tell you who I am. I'm preaching to you as sinners, but let me tell you who's chief. Don't you know that, that Paul could preach to you and say, you think you're bad. Have you fallen short? And one, one issue that a Bible teacher at times or a preacher just can't get over and that's an issue of saying for someone to say, anyone in this pew or listening to us by way of radio, Gary, you just don't know what I've done. If Satan can say that to you enough and get in your head enough, ha, now, big boy, now remember, now remember, this and this and this. It becomes, I don't know, it becomes easy or it just becomes, it puts you in a position of whereas the gospel is not afforded to me. Salvation is not afforded to me because you don't know my past. No, I don't. And you don't know what mine. But I do know God's grace. And I do know what is afforded to each and every one of us, regardless of our past. And I do know that Saul and then Paul would say to us, looking forward, not behind. So I'm asking you today, let's take this off the table. Regardless of where you are in life, you can be where the Lord wants you to be. 
Get rid of that small voice up there that's saying, not me, not me. But there's a second voice. There, for some, that will work. Satan's here, and he says, okay, now there's half of this group I've got because I've convinced them that they're too bad. Man, it's not working on some. So I got another way to do it. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 10, Acts 10, and it's on page 1695 of your Pew Bible. Page 1695 of your Pew Bible, Acts 10, I'll be reading starting in verse 1. Please, young, old, in between, read with me. We've got one extreme over here, and we've got individuals who feel so bad. But then again, there could be a temptation. Chapter 10, verse 1 of Acts. There's a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man. And one who feared God with all his household. Who gave alms generously to the people. And prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Now, what we've learned so far in verse 2, a devout man and one who feared God. And when questioned, when there, what is it, Lord? Like, okay, what? And in verse 5, go down to, Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Please look at the last part of verse 6. Ready? Look at it. Last part of verse 6. Page 1695, Acts 10. He will tell you what you must do. What do you mean he will tell me what I must do? I am a devout man. I give. I pray. What else is there to do? Now, most all know the rest of the story. Peter received a vision. He's going to be sent to Cornelius. Turn to page 1696, just one page over, and I'm going to start in verse 21. So you've got Cornelius here. Then Peter, page 1696, young and old, in between, Acts 10, verse 21. Then Peter went down to the man who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, now these are the messengers 
And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, they even know, a just man, one who fears God, has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by an holy angel to summon you to his house and to the hear words from you. You see the setting? Peter says, what do you want me to do? Here's what you're supposed to do. I'm representing a good man. We'll go over one more page, 1697, Acts 10, and I'll be reading starting in verse 34. And then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, listen to me closely, because this is to you and this is to me. Forget Cornelius. It's Peter speaking. It's the one thing that Cornelius needed. This was a lot of trouble. Don't take this lightly. This was a serious trip. This was God instructed. This was miracle type happening. Peter, in a vision, go to this man. Why should I go? He's already good. He gives, he prays, he's a good person. He lacks something. And therein is that other side of the devil that would say, for those that this is not working, that you're too bad, you're good enough. Oh, how many of us? Gary, you're good enough. It's okay. Starting in verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The words which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went out doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of the things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed and by hanging on a tree. Him God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witness chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judged of the living and the dead. And then I go down to verse 47, him still speaking. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Verse 48, page 1698. Mark it in your Bible. Turn to page 1698. Acts chapter 10, verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. What does the worst of sinners need? They need Jesus. 
what do the least of sinners need if we would dare say that that would be Cornelius? He needed Jesus. He needed to be taught more perfectly. I don't have time to go through what I would say for hours of teaching of what baptism relates to the obedience that God would have us to do. Hearing, repenting, confessing. Now here's the issue. That's not my battle this morning. My battle, the battle of a Bible teacher, the battle of anyone professing the gospel so often is not the knowledge of the individual. The battle is getting over that hump. Not only do I know what to do, I'm willing to do it. And at the risk of whether you like Billy Graham or don't like Billy Graham, I mentioned this Wednesday evening in a class. I listened to Billy Graham. And he made the statement in an interview that he had presented a message. And there were thousands of people, of course, always there to hear him. And there were thousands of people, and only a few responded And when he was leaving, whoever it was could tell he was dejected. And he said, man, what's the matter? He said, I I don't know what I did wrong. I I don't know what was lacking. And he said, well, with all due respect, for the first time in many lessons that I've heard you preach, you left out the cross. In your invitation, you never, you never mentioned the cross. You never mentioned the resurrection. You didn't mention Jesus. People aren't coming to me today. I won't bring you here. The cross and Jesus. If you turn down the invitation to make a response, to do what in your heart, without that little person saying you're too bad or you're too good, don't turn your back on the cross. Oh, the older I get, and Johnny, I appreciate your message, the older I get, the older I get, the more I tremble. I'm closer to judgment than I'll ever be, than I have been. I'm closer to standing before my Lord than I ever have been. And so are you. So I beg you this morning, come to the cross. Respond this morning in any way, form, or fashion that you need If it's prayers, 
if it's acknowledgement of sin and forgiveness, whatever it is you need, but most of all, if you've not been immersed I'll make another statement that's really, I won't be asked to preach again. Rubel Shelley in a book said, I will not take a bullet for this, this, or this. And there are some here that say, well, I'll take a bullet for that, that, and that. And that's all well and good. But I want to make this point. He said, but I will take a bullet over the crucifixion over the resurrection, over the deity. And folks, let me tell you this. I will take a bullet over baptism and where it fits into God's plan of salvation. It's not water. It's not holy. It's just water. John, it's just water up there, isn't it? You take care of it. I know it is just water. You know what the big step is? I don't have to explain why it's needed. Eve, Adam, I really didn't have to explain why you shouldn't. All I've done is told you you should. I don't know why. I can't answer why that I know the death, burial, and resurrection and the symbol that we can all read into, but God owes us no explanation on why he would have us or what he tells us we should do or we shouldn't do. Peter, what can we do? You killed the Lord. You killed him. You crucified him. You nailed him on a tree. What can we do? Tell us. We know. We, we messed up. What can we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That sermon wasn't hard Please, as we stand and sing, Derek.